Hello and welcome to the Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on the Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would outlive the founders and have sustained impact not only over time, but also over space. And we have these conversations in an environment of authenticity, curiosity, and vulnerability, inviting guests from all over the world, both business owners, as well as expert teachers, to share a thing or two on how we can learn how to go on our legacy journeys. This week, though, it's just me. There's no guest. It's a solo episode. And um, happy holidays, firstly. It's just wild how quickly 2022 has gone. And I'm really looking forward to the breaks that are coming and meaningful connections with family. But I thought, um, as I promised on the last solo episode, 141, where I spoke on how to plan a, a family meeting, I promised that I'd be sharing some thoughts on conflict why does it arise and how can we resolve it in a constructive way? You know, feuds in business families and enterprising families, unfortunately, they are commonplace. We can see sibling rivalry, even just division and tension between parents and children, or even with the nuclear family having rifts with branches of the extended family. And conflict can become a huge source of stress. It can sow discord and even division. And emotions can be particularly high around the holidays. Say, for instance, you have to get, you know, together with family members and things are a little bit frosty. So hopefully this episode will be helpful. So you can gain some insight as to why conflict arises, particularly in enterprising families. And more importantly, what tools and techniques can you take away to implement to start to resolve said conflict? And I'd like to share firstly that conflict is normal. It is absolutely normal and inevitable. But I do believe that whilst it is normal and inevitable, we can deal with it in such a way that it is constructive, where it improves the quality of our relationships and our businesses and not destructive, which is the opposite, right? And in fact, sometimes conflicts, like a difference of opinion, it is desirable, right? We can have differences of opinion, because that's really diversity of thought. And I'm a huge advocate for diversity of thought. We don't want uniformity. We want unity. And there's a distinction. Some common times where we tend to see that conflict heightens in business families is firstly, during generational transition. So typically um, from generation one to generation two, when it moves from founder-led to siblings-led, consider an example, say, for instance, where the siblings have never really formed a partnership during the lifetime of the founder, 
Instead, they're forced into one when he or she dies. And frankly, that's a really tough situation to be in because on one hand, they're collectively navigating grief, right? And on the other hand, they have to lead an enterprise business, assets, philanthropic interests that really are the accumulation of all the hard work of their late parent. That's a lot of pressure to be under, especially when typically they have to make decisions in this season that can have a huge impact. Strategic decisions on the business and assets. And so we may start to see conflict emerging as the siblings start to air their views and maybe historic sibling rivalries come to the fore. And so this is a common time when families will tend to see heightened conflict. Another time is around the entry of a new family member. And I don't mean births, I mean through marriage. So married ins, they can find it tough to navigate the web, and it is a web, of a business family So they're probably aware that there is a family business, but they may not be aware of what does that mean for my partner and what does that mean for me? And by the way, this is relevant to both the children that are working in the business or not, because their partner may be a future owner of the business and this ownership can and will affect their marriage. Not only because it could be an asset, right, um, in terms of financial benefits that they can get from it, but also because it could also be a huge responsibility that requires time, time for meetings, time to read, time to go on visits, time that's taken away from the nuclear family right? It requires effort, right? Emotional labor, as well as expertise that the spouse may not have and then needs to invest time in being coached, guided, and educated. And that can be a heavy burden. And oftentimes, it's the married-ins, the spouses, they're the only ones that see the grumbles, the moaning, the fears, the worries, the tears, right? And naturally, they can be very concerned about their loved ones. And this is worse than where, for instance, the married ins, they aren't, they don't have the full picture of strategic decisions. It's worse than where there's no forum to learn about the business or to contribute. It's worse than where they have no clarity as to the financial details of the business and what are the implications of this financial position for them as a couple, for their financial position, right? They're in the dark. And this can lead to conflict amongst the married couple. And this strain can impact on relationships with other family members as well as it can also strain, have an impact on the business. A third time where we commonly will see conflict heightened in the business family is 
around the exit of a family member. And I spoke a little bit earlier about the death of the founder. Um, so that's a, an example. But another one is also divorce, right? Um, divorce can be a very um, difficult season for the entire family system to grapple with. It can also, conflicts can also arise where there is increased divergence of family members. And by that, I mean where family members are increasingly having different interests or perspectives. For instance, those working in the business see things very differently from those not working in the business. There may be a perception that those working in the business have it easy, they have access to information, they have access to resources, and there may not be clarity around their remuneration. And so these can lead to a situation where there's a lot of tension within the family. So to summarise, conflicts can arise where there is, one, a lack of understanding of each other's individual personalities. And by that, I mean, we're all different, right, in our families, right? For instance, you might be introverted or your sibling is extroverted or how you take in information and process information can be different. It may be you process facts and details or, you know, practical and literal, or you may process information based on possibility, big pictures and ideas. Also, how we take decisions really differs. Some take decisions based on logic, right, whilst others take decisions based on emotion and of course we see the world differently when we're working with our family family members whether we're active leaders in the business or not we're collectively working right um, because even as owners that's work <laughs> um, when we're yeah working together if we don't really understand who we're working with how they take in information how they make decisions how they learn, it can be a source of tension, like personality clashes, because we may be assuming that they're just like us and they're not, right? We need to have empathy for one another. A second reason why conflict can arise is where there's a lack of understanding and alignment of interests as a stakeholder group. And by that, I mean, for instance, we spoke a little bit about those working in the business or those not working in the business or even the younger generation versus the older generation, each stakeholder group has different perspectives, priorities, and preferences. Another source, um, a stakeholder group, for instance, could be along the lines of gender, right? The women may see things differently from the men, right? They may have different priorities, perspectives, and preferences. But apart from these kind of inherent differences, conflicts can also arise where we lack process and policies. And common ones include not having a formal ritual or a process around the entry of a new family member. For instance, through marriage, do we have an orientation for new members so they get to understand the family enterprise, its deep history, the triumphs and trials the family's been through, the vision, the mission, the values? Do we have a space and a place where the married ins can 
ask questions, can learn, but also that where they can share their concerns, they can vent their observations, and that ultimately reports to the family so they can improve. A second area where we may lack process and policies is lacking a formal ritual or process around the exit of a family member. And this can be around the death of a founder or an operational leader, but also is relevant in the instance of divorce, right? So in the context of the death of an operational leader, do we have a succession plan? Who will assume the roles of this leader? What happens next? Dealing with all this uncertainty during a time of intense grief is really hard. Like emotions are heightened. Everyone is sensitive and also at different stages of their grief, right? Um, So that can lead to a lot of conflict, especially if there's no clear leader. How are we even communicating this event to wider stakeholders? What are the events that will proceed from this event. And I think a great example that we can think of when we want to model after is think about the royal family. Earlier this year, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II passed away. May God bless her soul. And whilst her death left a huge sting and still, I'm sure, is leaving a huge sting, what was so clear to me was that the family, the nation, the government, were prepared for this. It was like multi-stakeholder collaboration. There were clear rituals, guidelines, processes to handle her estate, the succession and the ascension to the throne of King Charles, her funeral based on her wishes. So whilst it was a difficult time for the family and the nation and the globe, there were clear directives from her and how they could honour her legacy. And I think there's a lot for us to learn there about a clear process around the exit of a family member. So what can you do to deal with conflict? I think there's an element here that is reactive. So there are instances where conflict arise and how do you deal with that How do you handle that conflict moment, right? And then there's an element that is preventative. What can we do to lay a good foundation to minimize avenues for future conflict? I think it's really important to have in your toolkit the ability to handle both situations. So let's take them one by one. In the instance of being reactive, let me give a scenario. Um, Picture this. You sit on the board of your family business with your brother and you are both like chalk and cheese. Maybe you often butt heads, particularly after family um, board meetings, right? So maybe you take in information through facts and details, And maybe he takes in information through big picture possibilities. Or you take, you make decisions based on logic. He makes decisions based on emotions. And you just don't understand how he makes his decisions. And it literally seems like he's making stuff up and he's completely out of his depth, right? And you continue to agree and you can't see eye to eye. 
Here's what I will say. The conflict here is not, there's no specific issue, right? It's literally a personality clash where you have different communication, learning and decision-making styles. And if you find yourself like this, and even if you don't, I think it's really helpful that you get to know yourself. Take a personality test like the Maya Briggs or Gallup Strengths or DISC. Gain clarity on who you are, what drives you, how you make decisions and how you communicate. And if possible, get your family members to also do the same. If it's not possible and they don't agree to it, then I would just say observe, right? Observe them. Observe them and try to decipher what drives them, right? How do they make decisions? What are their fears, right? And then start to tailor your communication style in a way that is congruent to them, that's persuasive to them. There's no point storytelling, talking about future possibilities, if your sibling is only persuaded by facts and figures and the here and now, the factual, right? There's no point trying to get them to make a quick decision. If they're one that needs to ruminate on things and they're system thinkers, they need to see how this little decision fits into the bigger picture and they would prefer being given an avenue to process all of the contributing factors. So understanding this is critical. And a wonderful tool that I have fallen in love with, and everyone knows this, is empathy mapping. I think I've spoken about this about 20 times on this podcast, and I will continue to sing its praises because the moment I came across empathy mapping, it changed my life, quite frankly. I think they're incredible. So how can you use these? Say, for instance, yourself and your family member, you get into a conflict. Take a time out and just reflect. Use an empathy map on yourself. Yeah, yourself. So try and understand how and why you are feeling the way you do. What did you say? What are you thinking? Right. What are you doing? What are you feeling? What are your underlying motives and your unmet needs in this moment? What are your fears and anxieties? What are your emotions? How have you left feeling in your heart, in your head, in your body? And now, try and do the same for your family member, to try to gain deep empathy for them. And what may be helpful is understanding their priorities, perspectives, and um, preferences, right? This could be based on personality. This could be based on the generation they're in, the power position they're in, right? And the whole essence is to go beyond the surface to gain deep empathy for your family members. Then, once you've done so, and by the way, this need not be all in a day. This may be a process you go through, guided by a coach or a therapist or just a third party, Once you've done that, you can then have a conversation with your family member that's non-accusatory, but centered around you expressing your unmet needs. I was upset because I felt X. I needed Y from you. And give them room to express theirs. And the essence is we're not accusing each other. We're owning our needs. We're owning our actions. And we're looking at how can we problem solve together 
to meet each other's unmet needs, at least not say if you're complex, like you're trying to solve for your family members' issues, but brainstorm ideas on how they could also meet their unmet needs, right? So you can check out the empathy map in my book, Lifetime to Legacy, in chapter 21. So that's like the reactive element. The second piece is the preventative, and there's a lot of work we can put in as families to really avoid, minimize the extent or the impact of potential future conflict through really laying the foundations through policies and procedures. And I find that a lot of families are will tend to prefer to firefight. Like there's the, the, the roof is on fire, let's put out the fire. But there's also ways in which we can turn off the gas. We can ensure we don't have flammable things around the house. We use safety measures. And that's the essence of the preventative actions you can take. So based on what we said around the common areas that cause conflict and disagreement in families, a key area to look at is what is your onboarding policy for new family members through marriage. And I don't want you to say, oh, we don't have any family members yet through marriage. This is actually then the perfect time to think it through because it's not being personalized. It's literally just, it's a policy, right? You're ruminating as a family. There's no name or face to this person. It's just what is best for us. For instance, will we have a prenuptial agreement that we get new members to sign? What education will we need to give them to get them up to speed? We'll need to definitely share like the origin story, the history of the business, the values of the family, the vision, right? The strategic priorities. We'll also need to provide access to key family members where they can ask sensitive questions on a one-on-one basis, right? And provide clarity, Can they work in the business? Can they own shares? What events are you expecting for them to attend? Like family meetings or retreats or learning events? It's really clear that you articulate a clear onboarding policy for new family members. Second area is a family employment policy that seeks to establish a fair, transparent policy looking at the selection, retention, and remuneration of family members. So what is the expectation with respect to the education and the work experience of joining family members to the business, to the board? What is the compensation and how will that be determined? Is there a salary component? Is there a bonus component? Is there shares compensation? How is that being benchmarked against market rate to ensure that it's fair? And then there should be appraisals, very clear key performance indicators that are determined and are evaluated by a non-family member to ensure that the family employee is moving towards meeting these goals. And an aside I would say also is The compensation for the family member, we should really decouple things. I find that there's a lot of commingling in the family enterprise space. Oftentimes, families will just bundle things up, right? 
a family employee, their remuneration or compensation for their role as a business leader or someone working in the business, that should be separated from their their compensation as an owner. And that speaks like dividends and things like that. And that should be separated from their compensation as a family member, like just a gift from um, a family member, for instance. Commingling these different elements does create issues. And there'll be issues around fairness because, say, for instance, you just provide a gift, right? And it's bundled up with the compensation as um, an employee, but you provide gifts to all your kids and um, the other fam- um, the other children are not necessarily working in the business. Of course, then there's an issue of equity here. Another area to think about, a policy area, is what's our conflict resolution process? So what is our process that we have in place to manage conflict? Because I said it's inevitable. But instead of, you know, fearing and like just dancing around it and having this elephant in the room, how can we have a process, a policy to ensure that we stop it from escalating into a feud that can threaten the business, that can threaten the family and harm the reputation of the family and the business? So I would say discuss as a family. You may want to think to form a committee that is literally their job is conflict resolution, right? They are working on preempting as well as resolving conflict through having conversations with family members, understanding the sources of, you know, um, things that may be on their hearts that are causing issues or could potentially cause issues. So they can take not just a reactive approach, but a proactive approach. And then they can develop a process around acute conflict where they mediate with parties involved and members of the committee and consider bringing in third-party professionals to facilitate conversations or mediate conflict where, you know, it's above, you know, it's, it's really incessant, it's really um, problematic. We're seeing repeatable conflict, recurring conflicts where we're not really making progress, but we're actually um, digressing that's the point where you might want to think of bringing in a conflict mediator or professional licensed therapist to come in and find common ground. Whew, that was a lot, right? <laughs> that was a lot on conflict. Um, there was a lot in there. And I recommend listening to this one again, taking your time to really digest and understand firstly, what causes conflicts in family firms and when map out where you are in your family, right? In terms of your journey, um, preempt where conflicts can arise and look to focus on what preventative measures can we put in place now to ensure that we don't have conflicts that become something larger than life. And also um, definitely look to Get in your toolkit the reactive measures I, I, I spoke about, like understanding personality types and empathy maps. I love empathy, empathy maps. They're wonderful. So, yeah, take your time, digest these, and I hope this was really helpful for you. Well, I wish you all 
happy holidays and as always i'd love for you to share this episode with a friend like or subscribe to this podcast and take care god bless you